Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You are listening to episode seven titled Finding the Edges of Our Circle. This is a podcast about creating space for healing and finding movement through the grief process. With every episode, I hope to bring a little more grief literacy into the world and to create confident, compassion-filled grievers and grief supporters. You deserve to live and grieve in a world where all of you is welcome, including your big feelings and even bigger questions. And you are very welcome here. This week, we are having a very brief conversation about the value of boundaries in the grief process and where to begin. One of the greatest gifts you can receive when you are grieving is the gift of space, whether that looks like someone making time for you to express yourself honestly or simply taking your responsibilities off of your plate and allowing you some free time. It can look like asking questions without the intention of correcting your grief experience or conclusions. It can also look like offering you relief from having to answer any questions at all. But the people who can offer you space are also the people who know what it means to recognize and respect the boundaries of others. And finding those people is the best place to start, as hard as it can be. It is necessary to realize who can and who cannot hold space for you as you grieve. But doing so feels like another form of grief in and of itself. Because it can be alarming to realize who does not respect your boundaries or even understand your need for them, especially in grief. Defining our circle of support and friendship is something we somewhat understand and practice in our daily lives. There are some people we feel drawn to and others we are not so close with. Ideally, we have an inner circle of a close-knit few, people we trust with our full stories. It can be tempting to say, hey, my life is an open book, ask whatever you want and draw near. But to be honest, the phrase open book always feels like a warning sign that I'm about to encounter a storyteller with confused boundaries. Now, before you yell and turn off the episode, hear my heart, you owe your story to no one but yourself. And while sharing our honest life experiences and struggles can be incredibly healing for everyone. That only serves if your story is already a source of refuge and healing for you first. Telling the details of every encounter or loss under the banner of transparency or authenticity can expose our wounds in ways we do not intend. And if those wounds aren't being treated with honor, we may inadvertently deepen them. There's also a chance that our open book policy can cause confusion or pain in the very people we hope to draw near. Like I said, our story belongs to us first, but what does that mean? Well, it means we know first who we are, what we need, and where we can find it. And that is when we share with those who honor our details and needs without inserting themselves into the narrative. As you may know, grief can cause those who are near to us to often pull away out of confusion, pain, or just discomfort. The people we expect to remain in place aren't there, and now we're faced with the prospect of grieving without our circle. Suddenly, those hundreds of friends who want to know how we're doing are nowhere to be found. And this is why finding the edges of our story and our circle is so crucial. We can trust the sacred few who have already drawn close and committed to our stories 
because we've invited them in before we encountered grief in the first place. On the other side, not defining boundaries before grief means that everyone might feel like they have a right to influence, encourage, or access you when you are grieving. They might insert themselves into your narrative. Think of the platitudes and invasive questions, like everyone thinks they have a right to know what's going on or all the details because you're an open book, right? I don't know about you specifically, but when I am grieving, the last thing that helps me is reliving the story repeatedly for anyone who asks. That is when I need a break from that unhelpful, hey, how are you question. So boundaries set in advance, if possible, give us space to reflect upon our grief process and figure out how to receive what we really need. Often in grief, we struggle to make space for ourselves or to advocate for what we need once we finally figure it out because we don't necessarily know what we need or we do and we don't want to cause more drama or grief. So we will let our boundaries slip in the name of keeping the peace Even though keeping the peace depletes what energy we have left, we might feel obligated to answer those questions when we just want to ignore them. Because, hey, these are our close friends, right? They deserve an answer. Here's why I think that's unhelpful. Because when someone violates a boundary that you've set, then you, my dear friend, are not at peace. It's upsetting. So what peace are you maintaining by allowing such behavior to happen? If you have to minimize your own pain and frustration for the sake of keeping another person comfortable, you are forsaking your duty to honor your story and your own process. You are allowing the desire to be an open book rule your life. I know it can be very tempting to believe that we owe our time, energy, story, and attention to anyone who wants it. But, and I cannot say this enough, we belong to ourselves first. Supporting yourself with boundaries allows you to heal and live as you want with the priorities you identify as paramount. I know this is painful. Like grief, establishing and communicating boundaries can be a drastic change. And when we draw hard lines on what we will accept as a behavior or how close we will allow someone to come, we might break some connections. And that's awful to think about. Honestly, some of the people I expected to remain close couldn't handle the boundaries I set throughout my grief process. Grief changes how we see the world, and that can be really complicated for others to understand. But the goal in all of this is to find yourself. In loss, we also lose a sense of self that we may only notice when it feels too late. It isn't too late, but it can feel harder to recover from if you allow yourself to be surrounded in grief by those who compound your pain. Finding yourself means finding the edges of your story and establishing your boundaries in a way that benefits you, the griever, first. So speaking practically, let's talk about how to actually set, communicate, and establish a boundary. Confrontation is scary, and we don't want you to start yelling at anyone who asks you a simple question. So what if you were to reframe boundary setting as an invitation? Setting clear, honest, and direct expectations for a friendship is incredibly kind. And if a person reacts poorly to those boundaries, you can take that as a sign that that boundary was necessary and might be more of a closing door. And that's okay. And if a person decides they're upset and to ghost you, 
problem solved for now. Just like our children love to know how far they can go and remain safe, we deserve the same parameters for our healthy relationships to flourish and for our grief to recede into growth. There is a beautiful quote from recording artist and adoptee advocate Ferrara Swan. She writes, as we begin to heal a little more, we begin to tolerate a little less when it comes to how we deserve to be treated. Some may dislike that you're growing. Others will love you more for it. Those are your true friends. The moment you decide to set a boundary is the same moment you start figuring out who you want to allow access to you while you grieve. This is establishing what might be a completely new circle of support, which is okay, and for some, even necessary. So here are three questions I ask when the need for building a new circle arises. First, I ask myself, what kind of person do I want in my inner circle? This is when I will go through the characteristics of people who I can trust to hold space for me without judgment, correction, directions, or interruption. These people won't place demands on me to grow, heal, change, or fit into their expectations of timing while working through my pain. I make a list and then I reach out to each one of those people. Second, I open the door. I might say to someone, hey, I'm in need of a few people who I can trust, who can draw closer to me in this grief process. Do you have capacity to hold space for me in that way right now? Listen, this is a time to be vulnerable, and that's a very vulnerable ask, but we are asking others to see us where we are, and they deserve our honesty. And last, I clarify by asking that person, do you understand what I'm asking of you? Most of the time, these people aren't going to be strangers. They already know you. They know that you're grieving, and they have some idea as to why. So inviting the person to ask questions about what it is you're asking and what you need will help you figure out what level of support they can fill. Are you looking for someone to call when insomnia keeps you awake, or do you need a running buddy so you don't crash into a tree when you're on the trail and the tears come and blur your vision? Maybe you just need to know you're not alone during the day and you want someone you can text who won't respond with advice. The entire premise of these boundaries and holding a small circle is to create a support team you can trust when the difficult moments arise. A secondary benefit to this is that when the random person approaches to ask how you're doing and what you need, you now have an answer without having to think. Thank you for asking, but I have all that I need. That's it. It's that simple. No one is trying to cause further harm by asking questions or necessarily trying to insert themselves in your life, but it's hard for people to walk up and see those that they care about living in pain. The natural offering of support allows that person to show that they care and you have the boundaries in place to know that you are not obligated and don't need to give everyone access to your life or your story. Not to mention you can avoid any incorrect belief in yourself that you might have picked up along the lines of being a burden to others by allowing them to care for you. Those who you have invited close have agreed to it, and those you decline are not going to judge you for it. One last thought, you deserve a small circle of support. I suspect that some of you may have cringed or pushed back at that statement, but it's true. You deserve to have your boundaries respected. You deserve to ask a few close people to come alongside you. It may not be simple, easy, or painless, 
But if something in life fits that description, I have not found it yet. Leaning into the discomfort of growth, even as we grieve, allows us to reach the depths of our sorrow and to know we are not alone at the bottom. So become curious. Find a few who will feel your feelings with you, unafraid of catching your grief or losing their own good vibes. You're worth it every time. Thank you for listening to episode seven of Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. Boundaries are complicated, confusing, and often downright exhausting to enforce, but I strongly believe that with every time we decide our boundaries are worth the effort, we are agreeing that we too are worth the effort. There are so many books on boundaries in this world, but I want to share one last thought from Dr. Henry Cloud, one of the foremost experts on the subject. He wraps this whole episode up beautifully for us. He says, we can't manipulate people into swallowing our boundaries by sugarcoating them. Boundaries are a litmus test for the quality of our relationships. Those people in our lives who can respect our boundaries will love our wills, our opinions, and our separateness. Those who can't respect our boundaries are telling us that they don't love our no's. They only love our yeses, our compliance. I only like it when you do what I want. I love Dr. Cloud's input specifically because I have experienced the pushback from someone after declining their help. If this ever happens to you, take a breath and pause. Remember that there's a very good chance this reaction has nothing to do with you and everything to do with their own needs in that moment. It is okay, even necessary, to exercise your autonomy from every person that wants access. Because remember, you already offered access to the trusted few. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.